Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, can we give it up for Pastor Zach and the team? Man, they do such a great job leading to this point to where you're just ready to to receive God's Word. And for those of you that don't know, I'm not Anthony Kendall. I'm not Pastor Anthony, okay? I'm Pastor David, uh, and for those of you that are visiting and you're expecting to see Anthony, you're going to have to come back next week, okay? Because he and Aaron got out of town for just a a last-minute vacation because school is starting in about, well, just a little over a week for them. And uh, so they're tuning in online, and they send their love, and Pastor Anthony will be back in the in the pulpit tomorrow. And hey, Kevin, you have permission or somebody to cut this fan again because they said it interferes with this mic and that's okay if you need to cut it because it's blowing, it's blowing me away up here. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm a little guy. This fan needs to be turned down. Hey, listen, I, I, many of you have been asking about Denver and, and about uh, how things went and I appreciate you guys praying for us. Denver was amazing. We had a great week. Our team served River Church uh, it was one of our mission partners, a church plant in Loveland, Colorado, about an hour north of, of Denver. And, uh, you know, they're just getting started. They're still not having weekly services. They're having some preview services now. And uh, the weekly services are going to start in September. And uh, But we went there this week, and we canvassed neighborhoods, and, and we landscaped and, and put down some uh, weed barrier and pull weeds for Pastor Josh's neighbors. And... And then they held a preview service this past Sunday at the local high school and our team along with a team from Kentucky and Texas. We helped them set up flags and signs and serve coffee and greet people. It's much like a morning here at Connect Church. And, and we helped them do all of that. And, and we had a great worship service there with them. And, and you know, it, very last minute on a Sunday morning, they realized, because their church plant, everything's in a trailer for them. And you're having to unload everything. There was this one small little cable, a 3.5 millimeter to RCA cable that connects the computer to the sound system, or you can't have any sound from the computer. And they, he had some videos planned, and, and so they said that the, the computer, or the, the, the cable's missing. So Pastor Dominic put his, his, his cape on, and he rushes out into the city of Loveland in the morning, granted, and he finds that cable for them. And, and so we served so well up there. And then for the next three days, we trained and we served at an adventure camp. That's Pastor Josh Elif right there in the middle with some of our team. And, and some of our teams led groups of kiddos in pre-K uh, through the fifth grade. Some of our team worked at check-ins. Other worked with crafts and, and music and the, the all-important snack table and all this. And this is just a, a sweet picture with a sweet story. This young man had a little anxiety separation from his brother. And, and, and our own Zach Tedder was there. And man, Zach just kind of met him where he was, kneeled down, talked to him, and by the end of the week, man, they were almost in, anytime this kid had a problem, he didn't go to his leader, he, he, went, to, he went to Zach, so that was just a, a sweet moment there at our camp, and, and, and here's me and, and, and our team, uh, my group, and, and you know, we, we go into this, um, we went into this, and there was a day that we were all going to get our assignments, and Pastor Dominic and myself, we had, we had preached to our, 
our high school students and our young adults all week long. Listen, you got to be flexible. you got to be moldable. This is their camp, and wherever they ask you to serve, you, you just got to do that. You don't complain. You just do it, right? So the lists are being handed out, and I'm looking down the list to see where I'm serving. Surely you're going to have me teaching or, or talking about missions, you know, something like that. And, and I start looking down the list, and I find my name, and it's under the kindergarten kids. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, going to be honest, has to be a mistake. <laughs> this, is, this is not right. I may have to go talk to Brittany. She's their kids director. Hey, Brittany, can you finish? And I thought to myself, you know what? I need to practice what I preach, right? So I'm just going to suck it up, buckle up, and, 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 and I'm just going to get ready to serve these, these kindergarten kids. going to love on them. And, and they, they, they climbed on top of me. They tackled me. They fed me their snacks. And I'm pretty sure a couple of them had already been in their mouths before they put them in my mouth. They squirted me with squirt guns, but, but at the end of the week, man, it was just such a, a sweet time with those, with those kindergarten kids, and our, and our team did such a, such a great uh, uh, job working there and serving there and loving on those kids. They had 65 kids in, in camp, and, which is a big deal for a new church plan, and, but before all this happened, we got there on Thursday evening, and we had, a few, we had like a day and a half, and and so we went to visit some of the most beautiful landscape that you've ever seen. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. But those amazing red rocks, uh, beautiful mountain lakes, and the mountains, man, those mountains are so vast and grand and majestic. And, and here's a picture of us. At, at This is our whole team. We're at Bear Lake. And it's about 9,500 feet in elevation, Bear Lake is. Well, then the Rocky Mountains tower above that uh, almost another 5,000 feet. And to put that into perspective, that's about 8,000 feet higher than our own Mount Leconte. So, I mean, it's just to get to witness God's creation, it's just amazing. And that's a plug for our next mission trip. So if you want to go, get ready. We're going to sign up. We're going to be going uh, again to Denver to do some different things. But, uh, you know, the greatest thing about that trip, though, well, I was talking to Pastor Josh yesterday, and he shared with me that three uh, kiddos trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior at the end of the camp. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. And, and he said there was about five or six more that had some questions. And what that means for a new church plant is that's going to put them in contact with about eight or nine families. And if, if, if all eight or nine of those families join that church... Man, that's almost going to double their size. So, again, they're just at the beginning. So you continue to pray for Pastor Josh, his wife Jacqueline, and, and that team up in Loveland, Colorado at River Church. And, and you know, one night we were there, and everything was kind of winding down, and I was just laying in, in my bedroom at our Airbnb, and I was just thinking about, uh, i got to preach this Sunday, <laughs> you know, and all this busyness. And I was thinking about uh, 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 life, uh, uh, that, that we're going to, you know, face mountains in our life and we've just seen some mountains but but we all face mountains in our life and I'm not talking about the Smokies or the Rockies but I'm talking about those mountains that that are seemingly impossible situations sometimes they are challenges in our life that just seem insurmountable they're they're mountains that hinder our life that hinder our walk with with Jesus sometimes and they can take the form of many things financial problems uh, uh, maybe sickness, broken relationships, emotional burdens, or sometimes you just just worried about your family. You just worry about your family and what's going on in their lives. And I could go on and on, but listen, you know what these mountains are in your life. 
They're, they're the things that wake you up at night and they're the things that won't let you go back to sleep because you think on them. Sometimes we worry about those things. And, and even Jesus warned his disciples about these mountains when he told them, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. Church, in this godless culture that we live in, if we follow Jesus, we're going to have difficulties. We're going to have some distress in our lives. But Jesus said, and I'm so glad he said it, Jesus said, take heart, for I have conquered the world. Amen. Isn't that good? Can't we rejoice in the fact that Jesus has already conquered all of our mountains? All we got to do is follow him. So, so what I want to talk a little bit about today is just this. How do we face these mountains when they come into our life? Parents, how do we prepare for when our kids go astray? Because some of them will. Most of them will at some time in their life. It, it, it happens. How do we respond to broken relationships within our family? Uh, how do we deal with sickness and disease that always seems to just to come our way? One of the mountains that Jesus' disciples faced was a mountain of doubt. This is seen one time in Matthew 17 when Jesus healed a demon-possessed boy that the disciples were unable to heal. And, and after the, he had healed this boy, the disciples came to him and and said, you know, why can't we cast out that demon, Jesus, like you did? And, and this is how Jesus responded. Jesus says, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Can we pray together? Father, I just thank you, God, so much for this opportunity. And, and God, I have nothing to offer these people. But God, you have everything to give them. And God, I pray that you just remove me from, from the equation today, God, that you would just uh, let them hear from you, God. Uh, Father, I pray for those in this room today that are facing mountains. They're, they're facing insurmountable situations in their life, and it's heavy on them. And God, maybe they're seeking and they don't know what to do. Maybe they're tired. They just want to give up. But God, I pray today that you'll speak to their heart and that you'll let them know, God, that you've conquered those mountains and you want to show them the way over that mountain, through that mountain, or you just want to make it go away altogether. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We just pray that you'd be honored and glorified today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today you're going to hear... Uh, two different stories about two different mountains with two different results and you're going to hear how God moved in two different ways but, but also not how he moved but how he continues to move and to set up this story I want to go back to this verse that says if you have uh, you have so little faith I truly I tell you if you have faith just as small as a mustard seed now you're not going to be able to see this but I have a mustard seed right there on the end of my finger I mean, and it's tiny. And I think Jesus uh, purposely picked out the smallest seed known to the disciples. And he said, you got this great big mountain. And if you just have faith this size, I can move that mountain. And I'm not sure the disciples understood that. But, but, but what I understand out of this is this. It's not, it's not the size of our faith that matters. But it's, it's the object of our faith. It's, it's where we put our faith. Now listen, 
faith can be misplaced. The world is telling people today, the world is telling our children, the world is telling our young adults, the world is telling us, listen, the world is saying, if you are sincere enough about what you believe, if your faith is big enough and strong enough and you believe it, in the end, it's going to be okay. In the end, everything's going to work out. And listen, that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Because it's not just about faith and the amount of faith, but it's about the object of, of our faith. It's about putting that faith in one person, and that's Jesus Christ. See, our faith has very little to do with us, and it's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. Paul said it this way to the church at Corinth. He says, do you really think I'm like the people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. For all of God's promises are fulfilled with a resounding yes in Jesus Christ. And through Him, our amen or our yes ascends to God, to His glory. Listen, we, we, we can't have faith apart from Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives us that faith. And our yes ascends to God only through Him. It's not just about us having a sincere faith, but it's about placing our faith and our trust in the one person that is faithful and true, and that's Jesus Christ. I want to get into one of these stories now, and this first story kind of involves me and my wife and my oldest daughter, Julia. And, and I, remember, I remember it so clearly. It was about 12 or 13 years ago that I was in bed around 10 o'clock at night, and my, my, my phone rang, and it was my daughter, Julia, and she says, Hey, Dad, I need to talk to you. And we had some small talk, you know, the kind of talk that dads have with their daughters. How's school? How's your grades? You've not met any boys, have you? No boys, right? Is your car good? Have you checked your oil lately? Have you, have you kicked your tires? Is everything good with your car? You know, those conversations. Do you need me to come out there? I'll come out there if I need to. But those kind of conversations. We had that conversation, and then after that conversation was over, she said, I've got to ask you a question, Dad. I can tell she was a little nervous. And I said, what is it, Julia? She said, do you really believe that there is a literal place called hell? And when she said that, it was about as quiet as it was in here just now. I thought to myself, she's not asking me if I believe in a place called hell. I've been her dad for about 20 years I was her youth pastor for about eight years. <laughs> so she's heard me talk about heaven. She's heard me talk about hell. And, and she knows what I believe. So, so there's something going on with her. And, and so to answer her question, I just said, you know, Julia, I believe that Jesus talked a lot about heaven. But he also talked a lot about hell. And I, I do believe it's a real place. The Bible describes it as a place of, of judgment, a, a place of outer darkness. It's a place of, of torment and suffering and, and great pain. The Bible says that there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth for the people who, who go there. And, and I said, but, but most of all, Julia, it's a place of eternal separation from God and all that is good. I said, yes, I, I believe there's a hell. 
And after my little mini sermon, I thought to myself, I've probably settled this issue. She's going to say, okay, Dad, I believe it too. But the next eight words came out of her mouth, just floored me. This is what she said. I don't know if I believe that anymore. I don't know if I believe that anymore. I don't know what it sounds like when your heart just kind of drops, but I, I, I think mine did that night. Um, because this was Julia, my firstborn. I remember when she received, uh, surrendered her life to Christ. I remember baptizing her, how she served in our church, how she led Bible studies, how she was a part of our worship team. She even helped, as an older high school, she even helped write a devotional for younger girls. And we looked over it, and man, it was solid. She was a part of all of that. And, and I'd seen God produce fruit in her life, and now she's asking me this question, did I believe that there's a place called hell? And when I said yes, she says, I don't think I believe that anymore, Dad. After, after a minute of probably picking myself back up off the floor, I said, well, let me ask you, Julia, what has changed in your life? Because I know what you've been taught. What has changed? She says, well, I, I, I've, been, I, I've been hanging out with some people, and we've been talking, and some of my roommates, and, and I've been reading this book. And hey, and Dad, there was this speaker that came to our campus, and, and Dad, you know him because back in youth group, I remember that you, sh you used to show some of his videos. And, 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 and I'm like, oh, okay. And, and she started telling me, what is, what's he saying to you? Well, he's saying there's really not a literal place called hell. It's metaphorical, and, and it's not real, and that, that, that love wins out in the end, and in the end, everybody's going to go to heaven. I said, here's the deal, Julia. I said, you know Jesus, right? And she said, I do. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to search the Word of God for yourself. I want you to put that book away. Actually, I want you to send me the book. <laughs> you give me the book, okay? You mail it to me. But I want you to search the Word of God, and I want you to seek Him. And I'm going to be praying for you. And we probably said a few other things. But, but I just remember as we hung up the phone and I lay there in bed, I went through several emotions. The first one, man, I was just in shock. Never in my wildest dreams would I ever believe that my daughter would say these things. And then, and then I went through anger. I just wanted to hop on a plane and go to this guy's house. I didn't know where he lived, but I was just going to go there. I, you know, I was, I was angry. And then, and then fear kind of crept into my life. Fear that, is my daughter going to continue to believe this way? And then, and then I was just really sad. Sad not just for me and, and my wife, Laura, but sad for, for her. Because after pouring Jesus into her for 20 years, she had let some people come into her life, and she started to buy the lie of the devil. And so we went through all of this, and, and I went through a period of time that I was laying on there in the bed saying, why is this happening? How is this happening? Why am I feeling like this huge mountain now has all of a sudden just come down on me? And I literally just, just started praying. I said, all, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to start praying. And as I was praying, this thought just came to my mind. I realized that Julia's disbelief in a place called hell which is ultimately disbelief in God's Word, was not my mountain. It was her mountain.
But then I realized that my mountain was worry. My mountain, like the disciples, was doubt. Not that I didn't believe God was able to fix it, but I'm like, God, how could you even let this happen in the first place? So my mountain w w was doubt. Is God going to do something about this? And, and me being a dad, you know, I wanted to fix this thing. I honestly, at 11 o'clock at night, because we talked for about an hour, I honestly looked at Laura and said, I may have to go to Nashville now. And thankfully, I had better sense. Uh, but I wanted to hop in my car, drive to Nashville. I wanted to see my daughter, maybe hug her, maybe just shake her a little bit and say, hey, Julia, wake up. This is a lie. It's not the truth. You know the truth. You know the truth. But again, as I lay there, and this is what is really cool about God, as I lay there, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 immediately came to my mind. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 came to my mind. And I just want to stop and say this. It is so important for us to know the Word of God. It is so important for us to know His Word because that's where our faith comes from. The Bible says in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. We can't even have faith apart from God's Word. Because God's Word is the message about Jesus, and we've got to have Jesus to have that faith. That's where our faith begins. And, 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 and if we don't have the Word, and if we don't have it hidden in our hearts, listen, we're going to try to handle things our way. We're going to try to fix it our way, and we're going to mess things up even worse sometimes. We have to know and live by God's Word, by His design in our life. We have to walk out in obedience to His Word. So this Bible verse came to my mind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Listen, you don't think God was speaking straight to me with this verse? Trust me, he said, with everything, even your daughter. You got to trust me with her. And you can't fix it on your own. You can't lean on your own understanding of this thing. Because it absolutely makes no sense to you. And it didn't. And he said, in all your ways, submit to him, give it up to him, lay it down at his feet, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And so I read that passage of Scripture and I contemplated on it. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit revealed to me that this was something that I could not fix. That's what God was saying to me in this verse. I can't fix it. It's out of my control. I had to surrender Julia in this matter completely to God. Now, we had dedicated her to God many years ago. But now this is where the real test comes because she's 200 miles away. I can't be there for every conversation she has with friends. I can't be there for every seminar she goes to that tells her fault, that teaches false doctrine. I can't, I can't be a part of everything, every day, every minute of her life. But God can be there. And this is what God was teaching me. And after I contemplated on that for a while, I honestly believe another verse came to my, to my mind, and it was this one. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. And I remember Laura and I discussing this, and maybe even questioning ourselves, did we pour enough into Julia? And listen, as a youth pastor, that's something I've worried about all my life. Am I balancing my time with my other students, with the time with my daughters? because they're in my youth group, but they're also my daughters. But you got all these other kids that you're, you're dealing with as well. But, the, but, but this is a promise that God gives us. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they were older, they'll not leave it. And I believe if they do leave it, listen, I believe God's going to draw them back to Himself. 
I want to say a word just to parents for just a minute right here. Parents, right now, if, you're, if your kiddo is 12 years of age or under, you're going to have the most influence on them right now than you ever will have. And listen, that age is declining every year. 20 or 30 years ago, that age was up in the upper teens, that you, had, you could still have a lot of influence on your kids. But because of this thing called social media and Snapchat and, and Instagram, tick, all these things, our kids are just being infiltrated with garbage, with junk. Now, I'm not saying it's all bad, but most of it is. And their friends, their friends are a big influence in their lives, more so than you'll ever know. And you can't just leave it up to the church. We have one of the most wonderful children's programs here that I've ever seen in the history of churches. As long as I've been alive, it's great. It's awesome. Aaron and her team do a great job of pouring Jesus into your kids. But if you break it down, and they're here every Sunday, every Sunday, and even come to Bible school, she's only got them for a little over two days. You've got them 365 days out of the year. So parents, I encourage you to pour Jesus into your kids now. Start now. Uh, Austin and Michaela, they, they probably left, but they, they played and sang. I don't know if they're still here. Maybe they're in the back. But, but, but their little boy's turning two today. I said, start now. It's not, it's not too early. Start now. And they, and they shared with me how they do stuff with him and how he loves church. You've got to start early. Listen, these statistics I'm about to give you were four years ago. I couldn't find any current statistics. I think we've stopped caring maybe to, to grab statistics or maybe they're getting so bad we don't want to know. But, but listen, out of, out of 100% of kids raised in church, by the time they're 17, only 69% of them will remain in the church. By the time they're 17. By the time they're 18, 58% remain in church. We've almost lost half of them by age 18. And by age 19, only 40% of young adults that are raised in church will remain in church. And then when they turn 20, it goes down to 1 in 3. That's about 33%. Only 33% when they turn 20. And, and, and moms, dads, grandparents, listen, we have this promise, this great promise from God that if we'll do our part here while they're little, while we have that influence on them, if we'll direct our children onto that right path and we show them Jesus, listen, He is faithful. And he's going to fulfill that bottom part of that verse. So parents, pour into your kiddos. There was other verses that God gave me, and a lot of them, I'm just going to name a few. Another one was, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And another one, your, lamp is a, uh, uh, your, your, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my, my path. And all these verses started flooding into me about paths and, and about this path that Julia was on. And and you know, Ecclesiastes assures us that there's a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under the heavens. So me and Laura decided, listen, it's time that we start praying for God to start directing our daughter's path. We're going to do it every day. So we started praying, God, make your path known to our daughter. God, put people in Julia's path. Put them in her path that can help her see the truth. We know you can do it, God. God, we saw the, the goodness in her. And we saw the work that you began. You began a good work in her life. And we know that you want to continue that work. You want, to con she, you want her to continue on that right path. God, bring her back to you. Put people in her path. We couldn't be there every day. But there's people that can be. God, you introduce them to our daughter. 
We're trusting you in this matter. And then we started praying that. We started praying the Word of God into our daughter. And then after a few months and maybe even a year, we started noticing some changes. She started talking about a Bible study. She started talking about a church. We saw the, the goodness of God evident in her life again. She was excited about going to church and all those things. She went on to graduate a couple of years later, and, and we saw her faith continue to grow. And then about two and a half years later, she started dating this young man. And he fell in love with her. And he came to me one day, and he said, Dave, I want to marry your daughter. And I said, okay. And it was just awesome. And this is him right now. And Thomas and our daughter, Julia, little, son, little grandson, Elliot, me, Laura. But what was great about that is God just didn't answer our prayers. He did, just didn't move this mountain in our lives. But he put an explanation point on it. Because four years after they were married... Thomas and I were, they'd come to Tennessee. They still live in Nashville. They'd come, they'd come to East Tennessee, and we were driving to the hardware store. I like to go to the hardware store with my son-in-law. Just, you know, makes you feel a little bit like a man, you know. Me and my son-in-law <laughs> driving to the hardware store. And that day, something just prompted me. I don't know what it was. Probably, hopefully, the Holy Spirit. And I, and I said, I just looked over at him. I said, Thomas, I said, I know you and Julia started dating, you know, even at the end of her college or even after college. But I said... I said, do you remember a time in Julia's life? Were you friends then? Because I knew they'd known each other for a while before they started dating. I said, do you remember a time in her life where she started drifting away from God, started drifting away from the church, started believing some, some, just some false teaching? Do you, do you remember a time there was some guy that came to the school and spoke, and, and after I said that, he said, I remember that time. He said, Julia and I were good friends, and he said, I, I would watch her and I would watch people talk with her, and I, I saw her drifting away, and he said, uh, I knew of the guy that came, I knew what he spoke on, and I knew that that affected Julia in a big way, and that, and that she started to, to change her beliefs a little bit. And he said, it burdened me very deeply as her friend. And he said, every opportunity I got, I would invite her to, to a Bible study, I would invite her to church, I would... I would I would talk to her about the fact of what I believed. And he said, I would try to offset some of these false teachings in her life. And man, he looked over at me, and I'm just bawling. I'm just crying. And he's like, I don't know what I'm saying here, but I'm making my father-in-law cry. Because this, listen, this is what I realized. This Bible verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Because I realized after six and a half years later that when Laura and I were praying for God to put people in Julia's path to lead her back to Jesus, he not only did that, but he also he did it through her future husband. He put her future husband in her path. God just did immeasurably more than we even thought he could do. But that's who our God is. Our God is, our God is like that. You know, uh, you see, God moved that mountain in our lives, and to him be the glory forever and ever.
Amen. Now, I told you at the first of this, you're going to hear two stories. Now, let me ask you this. In God's sovereignty, what if he chooses not to move that mountain? What if he chooses not to? A good friend of mine, he was here in the first service. His name is Cliff Odd. His son Luke's in our student ministry. Fela sings in our choir. His other son Seth's in the Air Force. But Cliff shared a testimony with me about three weeks ago. I said, Cliff, people need to hear your testimony. Because Cliff has a huge mountain in his life. And God says, Cliff, I'm not taking it away right now. I don't know what tomorrow will hold. But I want you to listen. I want you to listen to Cliff's response to this mountain in his life. Y'all roll that film for me. My name is Cliff Ott, and I have a few passions. My passions are karate. I love martial arts. I've been involved in it since 1978. I like teaching, and I like riding my tractor. The first moment I knew something was wrong when I was actually at a karate tournament with my students and I had a pain that I couldn't describe and I had to go sit down. My wife was with me and we decided even at the karate tournament on the bleachers that we needed to go see a doctor about it. I got a call from the nurse and she told me my PSA levels were over 140. It should have been four or five or something under that. It was a hard-hitting moment. The moment that scared me the most is when I went to the urologist and did a normal checkup that he does to test for these things and looked at me and says, yep, you've got cancer and then sat me down with my wife and told the story of what was happening and the tests that I would have to take. What took me back the most was the look uh, in my wife's eyes because she's my best friend. And she saw the depth of it actually before I did. It didn't take any words. Uh, for Fela, my wife, to say a word. I just saw her heart sink. That's what I saw. My thought on being diagnosed with cancer was uncertainty. That was my biggest thought. My mind went immediately to my wife and kids and how they were going to go through this as well and suffer the same thing basically I would except for the pain. Mm. There was a pivotal moment when I was in my study googling stage 4 prostate cancer. Basically the information I received over the internet was that I had five years to live. That was the average. And it was that time that there was a pivot in my thought process. I'd been saved since I was age 23. I knew Christ. I knew His Word. And I believe that through 
everything that's happened prior to has prepared me for that moment. There's sometimes that I gave my problems to God and took them back. This one, I made a decision. I was determined to give my problem, my illness to Christ and not take it back. And when I was sincere about that and meant it, uh, this peace just came over me. And I didn't worry about it anymore. Didn't mean that I wasn't going to go through it. It meant that I had this, this inner peace that I cannot explain. Very impressed with my oncologist, but ultimately I can't depend on him. I've got to depend on the one who created me. Uh, and I think the whole idea behind uh, depending on God is knowing where you're at uh, with a holy and righteous God. There's a Bible verse that comes to my mind, it's Psalm 71:18, that God's really drawn me to. And it basically says that when I'm old and gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not until I've shown thy strength unto this generation and thy power unto ev to everyone that is to come. And my eyes really went to that one. And I'm looking forward to the next step. I'm looking forward to the next chapter. Because like I said, it, it hasn't been written yet. And I'm just expecting big things from God and how he's going to use me. Amen. God moves mountains in our lives to him be the glory. If he chooses not to, cliff, to God be the glory. I don't know if you caught that, but he said, I'm looking forward to the next chapter. I'm, I'm looking forward to this thing, to see how God is going to use me in this. Man, that's a powerful testimony. Hey, I, I want to just real quickly, uh, I can't add anything to that. I want to real quickly, though, I want to give you four things Four things, four takeaways that if you're facing a mountain, that if you're facing a mountain, what do you do? Four takeaways, just real quickly. First one is just this. You stand on God's promises. Second Peter says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these things, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption caused by this evil world and its desires. Listen, when we stand on God's promises and we live those out, listen, we participate in His divine nature. We look more like Jesus then than we ever do. When we stand on God's Word and trust His God's Word, and just like Cliff says, you give Him these things and you don't take them back. The second thing is this. We declare God's greatness in Psalm 145. The Bible says, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I'll praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They tell of the power of your awesome works. They proclaim your great deeds. They tell of the glory of your kingdom. And they speak of your might. So that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Listen, church. 
in, even in the mountains, we need to be praising Jesus. We need to be worshiping Jesus. We need to let our neighbors know about the power of his awesome works. We need to let our coworkers and class uh, mates know about the glory of his kingdom. We need to let our family and friends know about the splendor of Jesus, that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and that his dominion en endures through all generations. The Bible says the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises, and he is faithful in all he does. Does. We need to tell the world this so they will know who Jesus is. Jesus says if you have faith the size of that mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move. You know, I think a lot of times we spend too much time telling God about our mountains, and God knows about those mountains. I mean, it's okay to pray. I'm not saying that, but God already knows about our mountains. My wife got a Christian t-shirt for her birthday, and I, I'm not a huge fan, but I absolutely love this one. And this is simply all it says. It says, tell your mountain about your God. We need to tell our mountains about our God. We need to tell doubt, hey, doubt, hey, doubt let me tell you about my Jesus. Hey, fear, listen, my God goes before me, he walks beside me, and his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We need to tell fear that. We need to tell like, like, uh, like Cliff here, his, this sickness and disease, listen, you're going to have to take a back seat to my life because my life's all about him. It's not about me, and it's all about his glory even in this mountain or on this mountain. We need to let our... Our, our mountains know about our God. We need to let people know that our life is about Jesus. We sang that song earlier, and I love it, and I think this is where Cliff is. No matter where I go, no matter where I've been, I see your goodness, Lord, in the land that I'm living in. Where I am right now in my life, I see your goodness. And listen, if you're here today as a follower of Christ, listen, you've got to agree with this, that God showed us his goodness his grace and His mercy at the cross of Jesus Christ. And listen, He doesn't need to prove anything else or do anything else for us to prove His love for us. He did enough when He sent Jesus. Listen, church, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. So we declare His greatness. We also, we also pray God's Word. Hebrews 4.12 says this, God's Word is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Our lives, listen... As followers of Jesus, our lives should, should be saturated with the Word of God. So it makes sense that our prayer life should be filled with the Word of God as well. Listen, Jesus prayed the Word. The early church prayed the Word. The Apostle Paul prayed the Word. The Bible says that God's Word is active. It's powerful. And with faith, we should pray His Word over our mountains. And the last thing is this. We live within God's design. Proverbs 1921 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Listen, church, there's purpose to our mountains. There's purpose. God's desires for those purposes to prevail in the impossible, in the trials of our life. God wants to, to use these mountains to, to grow our faith. God wants to use these mountains to show His power and His might. He wants to, to use these mountains to bring honor and glory to God. He wants to use these mountains to mold and shape us into the person of Jesus Christ. He wants to use these mountains in our lives. And, and I'm going to say it again. If God chooses to move that mountain, that mountain's going to move. To God be the glory. But if He chooses to allow that mountain to remain, we must also conclude to God be the glory. So I just want to ask you, church, today, listen... What mountains are you facing? 
What mountains are you facing today? Listen, I think the greatest thing about mountains is the fact that I'm saved and I know Jesus. And I don't have to face that mountain alone. Because I have Jesus. And Cliff said it best when we were talking. While I was in Denver, I gave him a call. And I said, Cliff, what do you think about all this? He said, I, I tell you what, with Jesus, he said, I can go over the mountain. I can tunnel through the mountain. Or sometimes he may just make that mountain go away. And I said, amen. So listen, if you're here today and you have a mountain in your life, listen, bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus today. Thank Surrender you again for checking him. out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.